It's wonderful to be here together again to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus. What a year we've had. Premier this year launched a brand new radio station called Premier Praise, part of our settlement with our new digital transmission license was to have two radio stations for the price of one. And so today as we come together, we have more to give thanks for than last year. And we have now four magazines, nine websites, the National Christian Helpline, Premier Lifeline, and reaching perhaps 1.1 million people a week with the good news of Jesus. Our mission has always been the same, to enable people to put their faith at the heart of everyday life and to bring Christ to their communities. And we rely on your support and your prayers in order to do that. What a wonderful year to be able to give thanks to God for. As we have launched this year the eSend, which enables people every day on their mobile phone to get the news of the day's events from a Christian perspective. Today, we heard of the church in Nigeria who had a roof fall in just in the middle of a consecration service, killing many, and then the bomb in Egypt at the Coptic church. Premier is enabling people to pray effectively in the situations like that every day of the year. And as the years have passed and the digital revolution takes hold, what Premier is trying to do is to enable the church to communicate well in a digital age. And we've launched a new devotional. Most Christians these days are not doing a quiet time as they did in years gone by, but now on a mobile phone, they can have a little quiet reflection on their way to work, in their lunch hour, whenever it is that's suitable. Thanks to your support, we can do all of these things. At the heart of what we do is not about technology, but people, communicating the timeless message that God is calling all people to himself. And Premier is committed to having as much impact as possible for the kingdom of God, and we're going to continue to meet the needs of people free at their point of need throughout 2017. And I'm sure you can appreciate that while this is free, it's not inexpensive, and we rely on your support to be the strong Christian voice to the UK. And God has sustained Premier these past 21 years, and we're confident he'll do the same in 2017. We're not about raising money, we're about raising ministry and enabling the church to move forward 
in times of great challenge. This service will be broadcast at one o'clock on Christmas Day, the perfect accompaniment to your turkey. And uh, I hope you'll tune in as you're carving your roast and get a blessing a second time. We're going to be taking up an offering during the singing of the first carol. Please give generously. And this journey of service is often not easy, but it's always joyful. And we follow his leading. And in this place, at this time, we come with the wise men to worship him.
Now let's come to God in prayer. Christmas 2016, we have arrived and the journey through the year has been long. Sometimes our journey has been uncomfortable and made difficult by the demands of other people. Lord, help us to hear afresh the story of the journey undertaken by Mary and Joseph, travelling to Bethlehem at an inconvenient time, and yet a part of your plan. Forgive us for thinking that our difficulties are outside your plan. Sometimes our journey has been lonely, and we have felt that we are a nuisance and that no one else cares. Lord, help us to hear freshly the story of how you provided for the needs of Joseph and his pregnant wife. Forgive us for not always trusting you to care for our needs. Sometimes our journey has been tedious and predictable, and we have lost any sense of expectation. Lord, Help us to hear freshly the story of how shepherds, simply doing their everyday and rather unexciting work, were prompted to hear the songs of angels and enabled to see your glory. Forgive the low expectations we have of you. Sometimes our journey has involved searching for means where we could use our gifts and experience, and we have wondered where they might be used. Lord, help us to hear freshly the story of how the wise men saw a star and followed it faithfully, taking their gifts until they were able to lay them before the Christ child. Forgive us, Lord, when we doubt that you need our gifts. Listening to the Christmas story of you breaking into the lives of people long ago when Jesus was born Break into our journeys now, so that we may find you are Emmanuel, God with us. We bring you our praise and adoration in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.
Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. The birth of Jesus foretold. The people walking darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as soldiers rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Gospel according to Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. The angel appears to Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, 
a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are most highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be a great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. A Saviour is born. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. The Shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord.
It is so lovely to see so many of you here this evening. I know a lot of you have made quite long journeys to be here. And it's a busy time of year, especially for us mums, because it seems to me we organise everything, don't we, for Christmas. It's a very busy time. Is it only me that finds in our large family that I sort of coordinate all the presents? I feel like Santa's little elf. You know, I just work out who's giving what to who. Does anyone else do this? And then I end up wrapping them for other people too. And about three days before Christmas last year, the Christmas tree was looking lovely in the lounge and all the presents were all beautifully wrapped. I'd spent hours on it, very proud of it. Our three-year-old grandchild, Jacob, got in there for 10 glorious minutes alone. All went quiet and I thought, where is he? And as I opened the door, I saw three expressions in one split second go across his face. The first was, hello. The second was, am I in trouble? And the next one was, it wasn't me. I didn't do this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's family life, isn't it? And um, I think sometimes we're inclined to take family life for granted. And it isn't until it's suddenly snatched away from us that we realize how much it means to us. That was certainly true of the families that were living in Singapore in 1942. Just after the Japanese had bombed Pearl Harbor, they turned their attention on Singapore. And in a very short time, they captured 130,000 Allied civilians. 42,000 of them were women and 40,000 were children. And I heard about this from a lovely lady called Jane Elgie that I met through Songs of Praise, and she had been just 12 years old when that happened, and she and her mother had thought that they had escaped on a ship that was leaving the harbour and got shot out of the water, and they were literally plucked from the sea and taken to a women's POW camp in Sumatra called Palembang. And they were there for three years, and it was a very, very hard regime. Quite a few of them died, and they were very malnourished. They died from constant hunger or from disease. And actually, Jane told me that their faith was just about the only thing they had to hang on to at times. But there was one other thing that gave them a glimmer of hope, and that was that they became aware that there must be a men's prisoner of war camp just out of sight somewhere, because every now and then they would see a working party of men being marched in the horizon where they couldn't make out the faces, obviously, to labour for the day. And these women had no idea what had happened to the men they loved, to their husbands, their sons, their brothers. And so they scoured the faces in the distance and hoped and prayed that the men they loved were there. Well, the story is taken up then by a man called William McDougall, who was in that working party and who wrote about it later on. And in particular, what happened on Christmas Eve 1942, an ordinary day for them, they were marched across to go to labour for the day. But, of course, they were glancing at where the women's camp was, hoping that they might just be able to wave to them or, or that they'd call out. And their blood chilled in their veins because... The women had all been brought out into the open gateway area and they were standing in very close formation lines. And in the, the time that they were living in, which was so fearful and full of cruelty, they wondered what on earth was going to happen. And then suddenly, across the ground between them, they heard a sound.
Silent night, holy night. The women had formed themselves into a choir to sing those dear, familiar words that they had sung with their families every Christmas and in church all of their lives. They were overwhelmed with emotion. They wanted to stay and hear more, but their Malay guards were hurrying them on. Quick, quick, you must march, Japanese might come. And so reluctantly, one foot in front of the other, picking up speed, they marched away, straining to hear the sound as long as they could. But their hearts were full of relief, of joy, of reassurance, and of hope in the birth of Christ on earth, bringing light to the darkest times. Oh, 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 oh,
The Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. The wise men. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord.
Since the beginning of time, human beings have believed in gods, small g. The gods they believed in lived far, far away, out of reach, Lord of the heavens. If they communicated with humans at all, it was at a distance, perhaps through the movement of a star, which is one reason why wise men seeking the birth of one born king of the Jews looked up for one. But for the most part, the gods, small g, were not only distant, but also disinterested in the affairs of the earth and its largely insignificant inhabitants. So that if you were interested in these gods, you had to seek them out through secret words or knowledge, or, or you bribed them through offerings to make themselves known or to act in some way on your behalf. Though the truth is, the last thing most gods, small g, wanted was to be known by the likes of us. They were, after all, above and beyond it all. Yet despite this, humans created gods of all sorts of things. There were gods of the weather and the seasons, of fertility and barrenness, of health and wealth, of protection and danger, of life and death, most everything really. No surprise then that the Roman and Greek cultures dominating the world at the time of Jesus' birth had hundreds of gods for dozens of situations to whom prayers were made and gifts were offered. Anything to catch the gods' attention, to come out of hiding, to get them on your side. The ancient gods, small g, had this in common. They were distant and disinterested. It was the one true God, God with a capital G, God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, who broke the mould of the distant, disinterested God. This one true God was not created by humans, but instead created them and placed them in a beautiful world and told them to flourish. Nor was this God disinterested because when God's loved and lovely humans rebelled almost before the paint was dry in paradise, God was devastated. Other lesser gods would have just walked away and left us to it. But this one true God didn't. Instead of hiding away, this God sent prophets and messengers and symbols and signs and law and love, urging sinful humankind to come back home. And yet, Time and time again, we rejected God's invitation of life, choosing our own pitiful, violent, selfish ways instead. Then this one true God did something wonderful. If they won't listen to my prophets or obey my laws, God said, I'll go myself. I'll show them how to live. And I'll pay the price that forgives their sins. Me, myself, in blood. 
and God made flesh, God with skin on. Jesus Christ, God's holy and only Son, came among us, born to one of us, born as one of us. Those we called gods were disinterested in humanity. The one true God laid his life down for us. Those gods needed seeking out. This God seeks us. Those gods used megaphones. This God quietly speaks of dying and undying love. Those we called gods were distant. This one true God came close and still does. Some years ago, a friend of mine wrote a book called Finding Faith Today. It arose from several hundred interviews with folk who had recently come to a living Christian faith. Some marked the language of conversion, some used the language of journey, some marked their faith by baptism or confirmation, some by confession. And in reflecting on these hundreds of testimonies, the key ways how people today find faith became a bit clearer. Some of the factors were unsurprising. For instance, very few of us respond positively to the gospel of Christ the very first time we hear it. Rather, most of us come to say yes to Jesus Christ because many times, over time, those we like and love and respect show us love and care and clearly invite us to follow Jesus and then pray that we do until we do. But, but some of the factors were more surprising, particularly the responses to the question, what have you learned about God since you came to faith? Because there was one very dominant response, and it was this. Before I came to faith, I thought God was unknowable, distant, remote, unfeeling that God wasn't bothered about me. Now I know that God loves me, is close to me, is real to me, and that's changed my life. What is it we read on this joyful day? And you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God who comes close. That's what was ha happening in the stable at Bethlehem. That's what's happening in the life and death and resurrection of the Holy One born in that stable. And ever since, right down to this very special Christmas day. You see, if God is closer than we think, then we don't have to travel very far to find God. God wants to be found in a stable by shepherds and wise people, for sure. But also by you and me 
today, now. We who are healthy and sick, vital and tired, contented and questioning, cynical and open. And those of us with sins and crosses that mark our lives. Because he went to one to redeem us and offer us hope and life. All of us, each of us, every one of us. Including those who we love, and those we're concerned for, and so want them to experience the nearness and the closeness of God in their lives this Christmas Day. Christianity. What is it? The Greeks made it into a philosophy. The Romans made it into an institution. The Middle Ages made it into an empire. The Enlightenment made it into a culture. The church constantly tries to make it into an organization. And the West wants to make it a disposable hobby and a pastime. But in the end, Christianity is a relationship. A relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who loves you and me and offers his life to you and me. Today, on this Christmas day, this special day of Emmanuel, draw still closer to the one who draws close to you. Amen. Let us pray together. Emmanuel, God with us, 
We hold in our hearts this world that is not at peace, where the freedom of many is limited by oppression and terror. We pray for Syria, the Yemen, and other parts of our world in our news today, thinking especially of innocent children, the vulnerable, and all who are living in fear, including those who are persecuted for their faith and their principles. Emmanuel, God with us, we hold in our hearts this world that you created and is ours on lease. Conscious we have not been responsible stewards of your gift, which has become damaged and plundered for our own ends. And we pray for radical changes in our behaviour that will preserve the fragile balance of the environment, mindful of communities already experiencing the effects of climate change, deforestation and pollution. Emmanuel, God with us, we hold in our hearts those who are poor, hungry and unemployed those homeless because of complicated circumstances or the actions or inactions of others. And we pray today for all refugees and migrants desperately seeking security, a new, safer and better life. And we include those working or volunteering for the emergency and caring services this Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us, we hold in our hearts our families, friends and neighbours who need our prayers. Those who are sick, anxious or discouraged. We pray especially for those separated from or grieving the loss of their loved ones. Those feeling unloved today. And those who will be alone and lonely whilst others feast and party. Loving God, may we be channels of your compassion and healing. Emmanuel, God with us, you hold this broken world together by your grace. And you have come close to us in Jesus. And we can abide in you by faith in him and with hope for the future in this life and in the next. So may we hit pause whilst the music plays to be open to the prompting of your spirit and remind ourselves of your nearness to all. And so we unite together, saying together the prayer of the kingdom, our Lord's Prayer. Our, our Father, Father in heaven, 
hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 18. God is with us in Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He only came witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and of truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is he who I'm said. He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
May the eagerness of the shepherds, the joy of the angels, the perseverance of the wise, the obedience of Joseph and Mary, and the peace and closeness of the Christ child be yours this Christmas. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.